Good morning, all. So here we are, Sunday morning. It's all glorious. Nice day out. So, Jesus, we thank you for this place to gather in your name. And God, what we pray this morning is that uh, we could gather around and drink from the well of Bethlehem. God, that you would uh, satisfy the, the thirst of our souls. God, that you would fill us uh, with that bread from heaven today. God, let your anointing uh, break off every yoke, got every fetter and every chain. God, we pray that this morning you would do exactly what you want done. Lord God, there is uh, is no power that can uh, resist your will, Lord Jesus, God, other than the will that you've given us. And God, we pray today that we would surrender to you in, in humility and, and let you do exactly what you want to do. God, that we might uh, receive from you those those things that uh, that we need. And God, we just pray that you would do as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, go with me to Zechariah four. Oh, I thought this was a really uh, interesting chapter. And uh, I, I find it interesting that in my Bible, at least, uh, the uh, footnotes um, about uh, these two olive trees that we're going to read about are conspicuously absent. Because you know, I don't know, I don't know how you could know the Bible and not not understand that the, the olive trees are talking about that Moses and Elijah ministry. But my Bible's got all these footnotes about well, it might be you know somebody or it could be you know this guy over here so they don't really have these you know scripture references i mean in my bible i've got written in there like matthew 17 and and all that stuff uh but but here in zechariah 4 i'll just i'll probably just read through the whole thing here uh, and the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said to me what seest thou and i said i have looked and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl on, upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. And the two olive trees beside it, one on the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. And so I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, and said, What are these, my lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my lord. And he answered and spake to me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. And moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands also shall finish it. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who has despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice, and they shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven, and the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said, What are these two olive branches through which the golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my lord. 
Then said he, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So, I like how the angel keeps saying, so you don't know what that is. That's kind of fun. Like, uh, no? no when uh, uh, We have these talks with our accountant every month. And, you know, it's like we're, the computers are connected. You can see all the stuff he's doing. He's, like, moving his mouse around. And he's like, see this thing here and this? And he's explaining all this, you know, gross profit and, you know, blah, 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 and all this. And you just kind of look at it like, uh-huh. Okay. And, you know, and after he's thoroughly explained it, uh, and I, I, Mike has a really great line for time to move on now. He's like, well, I'm not going to pretend I understand, but let's move on now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we all feel that way sometimes. I mean, you ever, you ever, you know, you're reading along in the Word and something just really jumps out at you, but you have no idea what it's really saying. It's like, okay, so God's saying something here, and you just look at Him with your big brown eyes and you go, you know, <laughs> and and He's like, yes, yes, I know. And then He ruffles your little head and and moves on. But but no, you know, of course, this candlestick. You know, I think we're all familiar with that because this is he's describing the candlestick just like you see in Exodus. So he has this this word of God and these two olive trees. Of course, the uh, that Moses and Elijah ministry. My little spoiler that I already threw out there because y'all already know it. And <laughs> thank you. So, um, but I, I like how this he in verse six he gives him this answer that this like kind of. It's like, I don't, I'm not sure you understood the question. Let me ask that again, you know. Because he says, what are these? And he says, you don't know? And he says, no. And he said, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So, you know, Zechariah is thinking, like, candlestick and some trees? You know, how, how is that the answer? I don't get it. You know. Of course, you know, you and I have the benefit of, of all these centuries and uh of Revelation and the New Testament and everything like that, you know, to, to recognize, you know, of course, he's talking about, you know, the, the Word of God and the uh, and the fivefold ministry and the things that it does, you know, because the precious thing uh, about this to me is, as he's saying, this this is my answer because he says, uh, you know, Zerubbabel, of course, is trying to uh, keep everything together as they they've come back from Babylon. And he's he's uh, governor over the uh, the the people of God who have come back to Jerusalem, and they're building the the temple, they're building up the city and everything. And uh, you know, the, it's a great thing when God gets you in a place in life where you need to do something but you can't. You know, it's a it's a really interesting thing. Um, you know, and I've, I've had a really, a lot of really great illustrations of that in my own life in the last year or so. You know, because everybody knows that I was always the guy that got all the stuff painted, and then suddenly I couldn't anymore. Then I needed, I, I still have to have it done, uh, but I can't do it, and so I have to have somebody do it, and so I have to just rely on this fuzzy thing that you know, some somebody. You know, some man in the van is going to go over there and paint it. And uh, and it's interesting because serving God is like that sometimes. It's like you need these things to happen, but you can't make it happen. You you do the part that you can do. You do the thing that God wants you to do. And then 
from there, you kind of have to just leave it in his hands and trust that it gets done. And uh, so it's, that's been a really interesting experience for me um, because it, uh, it forces you to kind of just rest because you can't, you can't do it. You need it done, but you can't do it. And, you know, you can, you know, uh, gnaw your fingernails down to your knuckles, but it's, it's still not going to change anything. It, you know, and so I think this is precious because he gives him this answer. He's like, well, these things that you're undertaking are, are going to get done not not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit, by the by the word of God in the in the ministry that I've ordained. Um, and in verse seven, he says, who art thou a great mountain before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain? And shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. So this word headstone, it sometimes refers to uh, the cornerstone where where two walls meet. But uh, um, more often than not, and apparently from what I could find, this was the only place that this, act, this word actually appears in the Old Testament. But it more often meant more like the capstone, like the the last thing that you put on at the, at the top. So this is like the the finish. And so he's saying that that you're going to bring forth the headstone to, for this thing, and you're going to put it on, and and saying grace, which I think is precious. Uh, but so he's he's giving him this message: you're you're going to get this thing done, not not because you could do it, but because I can do it. And so. You're, you're going to finish this thing. Because he says in verse 9 that you've laid the foundation of this house and your hand shall finish it. You shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. That would be a really encouraging thing if you were uh, Zerubbabel. And uh, thinking, is this ever going to get done? Is this ever going to happen? And and uh, and it's a precious reminder of, of, where, of where that power really comes from. Because it comes from him, uh, and of course, uh, you know, talking about these olive branches, these trees, and he says they're the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So go with me over to Luke. I like the way he talks about it in Luke. Um, I believe it's nine. If not, I'll I'll just be wrong. Or as we say around my house. Uh, you were right, and I was less right. <laughs> well, you can still admit it, but it doesn't hurt so bad. Like, although if Jim Baker's book would have been titled I Was Less Right, it wouldn't have been nearly so good. So, <laughs> And if you've never read that book, you should. It's really good. Um, I was wrong is actually the title of it. But um, uh, so in in Luke nine, um, uh, starting twenty eight. But you know he's talking about here in leading up to this, uh, it puts this this story, and, and it does the same thing in, in Matthew about um, Peter having this great revelation, you know, confessing this revelation that that Jesus is is the Christ. And uh, that he, he's more than, than just the carpenter from Nazareth. And, uh, and of course, as soon as that happens, Jesus is telling them that he's going to go to Jerusalem and, and, and be, uh, be 
crucified. And in, in 28 it says, and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings. Which is interesting because in Matthew and Mark he tells you six. Uh, I'm not precisely sure why he says eight here, but it, it does rather remind me of that place of circumcision where you've come past the Sabbath. But he says, uh, eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up to a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah. And I find in my, my, uh, my margins here, uh, there is not a single footnote for this verse at all. So, not a single reference, not one. Um, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And I like that he says it that way because everybody, you know, Matthew and Mark just tell you that, they're, that they they talked with him. You know, and of course, uh, you know, Jesus is, uh, you know, wrestling with this thing that he's that he's getting ready to to come to. You know, I, I think anybody could identify with something that I I know I'm going to have to do, and I really would rather not. But uh, I'm just kind of stuck. I just kind of have to. And and if I don't, then uh, uh, you know, then then uh, everything is is going to be all messed up. And and you know, here he's. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many times I've. Uh, I've gotten into something where, uh, like with work, just something nice and boring, like work. It's like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll get that all handled. And it sounds like, you know, this will be all right until you get there. It's like, oh man. Yep. I think about like, you know, I should, yeah, I should do all these these calls to these people. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna just put it on my calendar. And it's like, it's like, you know, a week from now. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. Then Tuesday morning rolls around. I'm like. What shall I say? <laughs> it's like, you know, save me from this hour, but for this very purpose I came to this hour. <laughs> like, this is why my job title is Director of Marketing. Ah. So, I know what I'll do. I'll call John. Hey, John. <laughs> yeah. no, but, um, you know, but this is encouraging, you know, because, um, you know, God's promises to Moses uh, aside and, and everything. I like how it says that they appeared in glory and they spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So, you know, they're encouraging him about this thing. It's like, well, we've already, we've been down that road already. And it turns out all right. And, uh, um, but I, I like, I just, I don't know, but I like the way he says that. Of his decease, which he should accomplish. So it's not like he just—I don't know. It, it sounds like more of a uh, an, an accomplishment rather than just something that just sort of happened. Because he didn't, you know. Because he said, I, "I well, I could be delivered out of this. I could call the angels and um, and, and not have to deal with this." But then, where does that leave everybody else? And so he decides he's going to accomplish this thing that God sent him to do. And, and I really appreciate how he put verse 32 in here. But Peter and them that were with him were heavy with sleep. 
And when they were awake, and they saw his glory, and the two men that stood with him. I like that that they were they were there with him. <laughs> they were asleep. <laughs> like how many times has you know has that been me? I swear every Friday night I come in here just waiting for the glory to come down, but I'm sitting in my chair doing this. <laughs> so, you know, and then somebody says hi to you, and you try and act all cool like I wasn't asleep. How you doing? Yeah, but um, so it came to pass when they departed from him that Peter said to Jesus, "Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's make thee three tabernacles: one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah." Not knowing what he said, we could give him the benefit of the doubt and figure that because he just woke up. But <laughs> while he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days the things which they'd seen. And so, of course, uh, of course you all know this, but I'm going to go through it again anyway. You know, Moses, you know, he came to bring his people out of Egypt. And, and, he, and he turned the river's blood and and took this 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 washing that you would get in Egypt, this washing that you would get in religion, uh, and and turned it to blood, which is a precious thing, because um, you know I was just talking with somebody the other day. It's like you know you can get wet and then get back out of the shower and not really be clean. It takes a bit of scrubbing, a little bit of soap, and. Uh, um, you know, and that's a precious thing that happens to us. But, um, you know, uh, in, uh, actually, I think I might want to look at this again in Mark, just briefly, in Mark 9. He, it's the same story, and he says something a little different that I, uh, I forgot it's not there in Luke. Yeah, in, in Luke, uh, at the beginning of the chapter, he's talking about it again. And in verse 3, it says, And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth could white them. And so, you know, that's the kind of cleaning that God does. And, and, it, and it's not a, not a physical kind of washing. Uh, you know, um, I think I was here about 20 years before uh, I actually got water baptized just because somebody wanted to do it and they had the big tank out and I thought, hey, why not, you know. And uh, you know because the the things that happen on the inside are the are the real things. That's the real washing, and um, and and God washes us with that washing of the water, which is a precious thing. But but that that washing in the uh, in the blood is a really precious thing, and it's this glorious contradiction that He has um, that that this this blood makes you whiter than snow. You know, uh, Zoe had this pretty white dress on this morning. And she was making pink milk. She had this 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 strawberry syrup, you know, and it was just, oh, don't get that on your on your nice pretty dress, <laughs> which she didn't. But um, um, but you know, it's you you know that getting this this red, thick, sticky substance on this pretty white dress is going to ruin it, you know. But but on for us on the inside. We get washed in that blood, and it's a—it's something that we just sort of take for granted, 
that it's just, well, you know, we've been around for a long time. And, yes, I intellectually assent to to that that washing and that, that I've accepted that and everything. But but it's really something that's it's a very real thing that happens. And, and it's and it's something that you can't see necessarily, but you but you feel it on the inside, and you can see the changes that begin to happen in somebody else when it happens to them. Uh, you know, I came in here when I was 16, and I came in one day one way, and I I left a different way, and everybody could see that I was different, and so. Uh, you know and that's a precious thing, and uh, you would never get that in Egypt without the river being turned to blood, because uh, you can wash and wash and wash and wash and wash, uh, but uh, you know you can't you can't get a stain out usually just by washing it. Usually you're gonna have to have something a little more a little more tough, a little stronger to get that out. And I like how it says here that his raiment was was exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth could white them. That's pretty white, and and I like that. I mean, you know, glistering. It's like unless you sold Amway, you probably never heard of that word. <laughs> so, so I I had a friend that his dad sold Amway, and he had this this caustic breath spray called Glister, and uh, so we just hang out in his basement. And you know, and then breathe fire, uh, and uh, so. But yeah, I mean, it was like it was like Listerine aerosol, you know. But um, uh, I mean, it's awesome. But uh, but there's nothing like having something really, really, really clean. You know, I I I'm not one for buffets. Typically, occasionally I will take the risk and roll the dice, but in general, I'm thinking, I just, who knows, you know, and now that I'm almost 40, it's like, who knows where that thing's been, I can say that now, it's like, you don't know where that's been, you don't know who's touched it, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't say that in good conscience when I was 20, I was like, I don't care, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and the people at the Peking Taste knew us by name. They, they called us the guys in white, and uh, they sat us at the exact same table every time we came in. Uh, yep, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, but anyway, you know, there's something about being really, really clean. You know, and I had a young man who shall remain nameless who worked for me for a while, who was very much a neat freak, and. I was always worried about getting stuff in his hair. You know, I was worried about getting stuff in his fingernails. And and he he talked about doing this one job that he had done before that was really not messy, particularly, uh, and how messy it was and how unpleasant it was. I, I just kind of looked at him. And you're gonna paint now. Okay, have you 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 seen my clothes, right? You know, and uh, so. Got used to it eventually, but there's, you know, when, when, but now that I don't really do that anymore, I, I had to get my hands dirty this week for a while, and I was just like, man, dang it. <laughs> so, but there's, you know, I don't know. I like to be clean. I like to smell good. I mean, you know, I, 
Jeremy's all interested in all of my little stuff that I've got out on the counter, like hair stuff and cologne and lotion and stuff like that. <laughs> they masculine scented lotion. I even have some for my face. So, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. So. What can I say? I like clothes and I like smelling good. What can you say? But, um, you know, but to be really, really clean, there's nothing like being really nasty, filthy, stinky, dirty, and you come home at the end of the day and you get in the shower and you get all like nice and clean and you come out red and steaming and it's like, ha, ah, clean, you know. Um, well, there's something about that that happens on the inside. When you get washed in that blood and, and all that stuff is just gone, that's really, really awesome. Because you get dirty long enough, you kind of get used to it. And I don't know how many days I came home just covered in stuff and it's like, touch me not. When I would walk in the door because my family would mob me. It's like, you will ruin your clothes. Stay back. You know, and I would, you know, kind of go off to the leper colony in the bathroom and get cleaned up and... And uh, I think Mike pointed out I used to always say, well, I'm going to go take a shower now because I'm nasty. Because at the time, I was about the only person that I, I hung out with that did that kind of work. So but so being clean is a really precious thing. But you can only get so clean, right? And so so then we have Elijah and his ministry. This ministry that that proves who the real God is with fire. And, you know, fire is a great thing. Uh, I was working at this house once, and they had a trash pile that they were burning. And it was great because it was like 10 degrees outside. So, you know, you'd kind of go out there and throw something in the fire and just, ah, this is great, you know. And, uh, but you had to keep throwing stuff in there because eventually it would consume it and there was nothing left. And uh, and it was really cool throwing stuff in there and watching how quickly it disintegrated. You know, things like plastic and stuff like that. It would just... And it was just destroyed. And uh, that's the great thing about fire because, you know, you could have a shirt that you just cannot get this stain out of it. It's not coming out. But you throw it in the fire... And you won't have the stain anymore. You won't have the shirt anymore either, but the stain will be taken care of, you know. And, you know, I was, I was talking to my kids yesterday about um, uh, about unity and about forgiveness and and uh, and all those things and how, uh, you know, the precious thing is is that we, you know, when we confess our sins and, and, uh, and you know, when, and we forsake them. Because it's one thing to confess. You know, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I did that. I'm sorry that I got caught. So let's move on from here. You know, like, let's, let's, let's just move on. You know, but, but to, to repent is something else entirely. Because, yes, there's definitely the sorry factor. But there's the I'm turning around and going a different direction factor. The I'm not doing this anymore factor. So help me God. You know, and that's the thing. 
that I think so many of us get caught up in is, well, I, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore, but, but I don't want to say that either because what if I do, you know? And, and that's where that decision making comes in. It's like, well, I'm, I'm going your direction, God, and I need you to touch this. I need you to help me. But that's why he's the God that answers by fire. Because the prophets of Baal had their, their, uh, their altar, they had their bullock, and they and they did all their stuff, made all their racket and, and everything, and nothing happened. Nothing at all happened. And uh and and I, I don't know, I really enjoy how cheeky Elijah got with them. You know, it's like, Oh well, you know, maybe he's just asleep. Maybe you just need to be a little louder, maybe that'll help. You know, it's like it's like when you try and talk to somebody who doesn't really speak your language very well. It's like, well, maybe if I just say it louder and slower, it'll help. <laughs> it's like, no comprendo. It's like, no hablo inglés. It's like, okay, well, where is... And they just look at you like, what? Um, but... Uh, so he's like, you know, why don't you just, you know, maybe, oh, maybe he's he's having a really great dream. Maybe he's busy. You know, maybe he's off doing something. Maybe, I don't know, you know, maybe you could leave a message with the secretary and, and uh, you know, he'll get it when he gets back and, and you know, may, may, we'll check back like, you know, on Monday morning. Maybe he'll get it then, take care of it for you. You know, and then, you know, uh, of course, after they finally give up, then without all the noise, without all the fanfare, just he just straightforward, just, you know, God, I know that I just I just want them to see that you're the real God. And that, that that you've told me to do these things, and uh, and I want I want you to just to prove to them that you can do what no other god can do. And and I like how he really uh, uh, really runs up the the scoreboard because not only does he consume uh, the the bullock, but he consumes the altar and he consumes all the water that's surrounding it, and and really just doesn't leave anything left. Because it's one thing to win. It's another thing to completely and utterly humiliate the other team, you know. And, uh, you know, I like how, uh, I want to say it's Colossians, how it said that he he, uh, uh, he made a show of, of the commandments or of the of the, all that condemnation, all that stuff, you know, triumphing over the minute and the cross. Amen. It's like I always just kind of, you know, uh, picture Jesus with a football helmet on, spiking the football in the end zone, you know. <laughs> But uh, um, but it's a precious thing because you know he in Zechariah he's talking about he's like well this is how I'm going to get this stuff done and, and he and he shows him this vision of well the word of God and and these candlesticks these these two uh, anointed ministries these, these facets of what God does the blood and the fire and and he tells. Zerubbabel, this is my answer. It's not by might. It's not by anything that you could do. But it's it's me that does these things. And and this is how I'm going to get it done. And so I think that's a really precious thing because it's really easy to get all hung up on life. Like we talked about last week, you know, it's easy to get um, discouraged by the way like the children of Israel did in Numbers. And, uh, you know, 
to me, this is a great follow-up from that because it takes the the focus back to him. Because it's not, it takes the focus off of, well, here's the problem, or well, here's all the the ability or resource that you've got to work with, uh, and it puts the focus back on God and says that this is actually what you have to work with. This is the the boundless resource and ability that you have to work with on this thing. And as badly as you would like to get these things done, he wants to get it done even more so. And so all he wants us to do is to to look to him and to focus on him and to uh you know surrender to him, to be obedient to him and and uh and he's the one that gets the stuff done. So, Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for everything that you've done, uh, God, for the blood. We thank you for that, God, uh, and all the the terrible cost that, that came to you to, to bring it to us. God, and uh, for that, God, we are most grateful. God, and we, we praise you for the fire. Lord God, that not only do you wash away our sins, God, but you, you take the very root of those things and you consume them with the, the fire of your Holy Ghost. And God, today what we pray is that you would do those things in us today, just like what you did uh, on Mount Carmel, God, that you would wash us with the washing of the water of the Word, God, and that you would bring down the fire to consume the sacrifice, God, that you would uh, consume out of us those things that, that are less than what you would have for us, God, with that laser precision that your Spirit does. And God, we just pray, Jesus, that you would accomplish in us exactly what you want done. God, nothing less than that is is satisfactory for us, Lord Jesus. We've not come here because it's Sunday morning. We've come here to get something from you. Lord God, and to to bring you uh, our thank offerings this morning. God, because we're grateful for everything uh, that you've done in our lives. We're grateful for your salvation. God, as if that wasn't enough. God, you have... um, daily loaded us with benefits, God, and we are are grateful for everything that you've uh, blessed us with. Now, God, today we just pray that your presence would have liberty in this place to do exactly what you want done. God, we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.